Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, people, Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen still coming at you from what we're kind of calling a lockdown-ish at this point, I guess. We've been quite lucky this week. This is the first time that Krista and I were able to get back together. Uh, we did it uh, social distanced in his pub garden. He's got a nice empty pub garden at the minute. So I was able to have a beer in a pub garden, which uh, not everyone can say at the minute on a nice summer's day. It was pretty amazing. We took my dogs. They were a pain in the dick. You might hear some of them on the recording. Um, so yeah, man, what's been going on? Not a great deal, really. Just been working. Still been hammering away on our weekly quiz that we were putting out every Friday on our Facebook page. If you don't already partake in that, come and join us one uh, one Friday night. We've got up to 20 teams taking part each week. Uh, all like-minded music nerds. It's chaotic. It's shambolic. It's stupid. Do come along if you fancy it. We've also... Uh, I have mentioned this before, but we've now started taking donations. Um, if you want to send us a donation at all, uh, our PayPal is pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you can afford it, send us the price of a pint or whatever you think an episode is worth. Alternatively, don't bother. You know, it's fine, guys. Um, neither of us are really earning any money at the minute, so uh, we thought it was... You know, it was reasonable to, to put that out there. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you're enjoying this and you haven't got any money, absolutely feel free to enjoy it as is, guys. I want to say massive thank you to everyone that has uh, sent us uh, some money so far. Uh, Warren, uh, cheers, Warren and Kat. Um, uh, Cy and Becca are good pals. Thank you so much, guys. Maz Brown, we love you, Maz. Uh, Rob Bashuri, thank you. He's regular in our quiz. Really, thank, thank you so much for contributing. Darren Austin, appreciate it so much. Andy Barrett, thank you as well. Niall, you guys are, you know, it, it is too kind. We really appreciate it. We're very overwhelmed when any money comes in, so we do appreciate that. Also, I want to say an enormous thanks uh, to Matt Collis, who made a donation that was well above uh, and beyond what he needed to do. Uh, we've got a special episode uh, coming up for Matt. Um, we've decided to do an album of his choice. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what that is just yet. That, that'll be a surprise. All I will say is Chris is not overjoyed about it, which makes me very happy indeed. We're talking about uh, the Orbs uh, album, UF Orb, which is essentially quite an ambient album. We weren't sure uh, we were going to find anything to talk about, but somehow we talked for about two and a half hours. What you're going to hear is what we've cut down from that. If it's rambly in parts, I apologise. If uh, the sound quality is not always... Uh, what it normally is, I apologise, but we are outside, uh, so there is some background noise going on. But yeah, so listen to us idiots talk about the uh, talk about the orb. We're both quite sad this week because we would uh, normally be heading off to the Download Festival uh, in the middle of this week uh, to go and uh, hang out with a load of our really, really good friends. Uh, but on the subject of that, we might uh, have, it's not 100% confirmed, but we might have a little bonus episode drop in for you later this week so keep your eye on your podcast feeds and yeah there might be a little something extra for us at the end of this week if we both find time then we're going to do that for you anyway this is a, a longer intro than i meant to do uh keep safe out there people keep looking after each other um and we will be back with another episode as soon as possible take it easy <laughs>
Yes, people, it's Dave Fenson with another episode of Pop Collaborate. And listen, I am joined, as always, by my friend and good colleague, Mr. Chris DeGreer. Hello, everybody. Uh, Waffles the dog is here. Waffles is over there. I can see him from where I'm sitting. Uh, Banjo the dog is here. Hey, Banjo. Banjo doesn't give a shit. She's not a fucking co-host. My wife, Jenny Fensom, is here. Walking around like a fucking queen. If you've been tuning into our quiz on a Friday, you may be already acquainted with Jenny and the amount of shit that she gives me. Uh, quite rightly so. Anyway, um, yeah, this is exciting times for us, man. Excite- How exciting is this? This is actually really cool. This yeah, is yeah, very yeah. cool. So, like, basically, the crack is this is the first uh, time we've been able to get together and record. We are maintaining social distance we're mm-hmm. in Krista's pub garden motherfuckers yeah. it's crazy isn't it? so we're outside we are outside we are in the garden and the thing is like, basically last week bank holiday uh, last weekend we're now at the end of May yeah. and it was bank holiday last weekend and I just thought it was an absolutely gorgeous day outside and I've, I've got a pub garden that is doing nothing at the minute yep. so I just came over here with a couple of beers and a book and I chilled out for a couple of hours and I just sent a message to you going this would be so nice if we could do a recording yeah. in this weather outside in the pub garden and you were like you know what that fucking would work yeah so here we are man basically what we're going to say is you might hear some ambient sounds exactly i mean i mean, we, I mean could this be a more appropriate recording it's like you, you're listening to the album within an album at this point yeah, yeah. you may be hearing some found sounds <laughs> exactly i mean one of the main things you might be hearing i mean we'll edit as much of it out as we can but uh my puppy banjo here is a prick and we're going to try and shut her up as much as possible yeah. We- but yeah there's going to be some background noise on this when we are not in you know, the, the confines of your spare room at, yeah. at your place we are out and about there's going to be some wind there's going to be some birds who knows? Exactly. But you know what? We're having a lovely time. So, um... Mate, this is the first time that I've been able to do one of these uh, with you yeah. with a beer. Because oh, I always drive to yours. In that's fact. right. And this is this is wonderful. Cheers. Cheers. This, this sort of sunny day, beer in hand, listening to some uh, bizarre ambient stuff. Yeah, let's do it. So obviously this week's album is uh, The Orb's UF Orb. Yes, right. And so this was number one for one week yes. in 1992. Uh, from the, the, the the period is kind of the middle of July is yeah. what we're looking at. Um, and if you think, if, you, if you've been listening and you go, hold on, the last one you said was in like the start of June. Mm-hmm. Between Michael Ball being number one, which was the last one, and this, there was six weeks of Lionel Richie's greatest hits being number one. So yeah. we've we kind of skipped uh, a whole month, um, which means we've got a lot of other stuff to talk about whenever yeah. we do that. But uh, this was only number one for one week when it happened. Uh, Lionel Richie's eight weeks, six weeks, six weeks, six weeks, and number greatest hits. Hello, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 you prick! It makes it look easy, doesn't oh, it? No. Don't do, don't keep going. Fucking hell! Oh lordy! And I'm just trying to work out how to get it's a great feeling dancing and sealing it. <laughs> don't just don't do it. All right, and I won't. Um, right, uh, this is the Orbs' second album. Yes, it is. And their first one was uh, the Orbs' Adventures Beyond the Ultra World. It came out in April 1991. Yeah. And so this isn't too much longer after that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this got to number one. The previous one only got to number 29. Yeah. And if you ask me, 29 seems like a sensible place for an Orb album. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. This is a big surprise to me that it's got and, the number and this, one. You know, and you know, one of the first things you'll see on the Wikipedia page is this caught a lot of the critics by surprise. Really did, absolutely. Whatever our personal tastes in music mm-hmm. are, right, this is a podcast essentially about pop music, which is number Precisely. one albums. Yep. Um, and this is a real stretch to describe as a pop music album. It really is. And I'm I'm very surprised there were enough people bought this thinking this is going to be worth a punt 
Yeah. There's a fan base there I wasn't aware of. Do you know? Do you know what else was selling very, very well though in 1992? Go on. Ecstasy. Yeah. Ecstasy was selling very, very well. It was. Yeah. It was uh, 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 marijuana spliff, as it's known by its street names. The herb. The herb. Yeah. The yeah. herbalists. <laughs> <laughs> Sending fire to all my herbalist them. What? Uh, this is why the orb were even being talked about yeah. uh, as a thing. I remember them at this time. I remember the first album very well. I mm-hmm. had it, enjoyed it. I thought that um, the singles, Perpetual Dawn and Little Fluffy Clouds, yeah. really liked them. Mm-hmm. They were wicked. And they were some of the very few at that time dance, in inverted commas, tracks that would get played at the indie club that I sure. would go to. And, you know, I sniffed a lot of poppers too, fucking Did Little Fluffy really? Clouds. Yeah, because I've never really done drugs, yeah. because partly because I'm just a massive coward. Yeah. But... Uh, Poppers was legal, so I thought, fuck it. Okay, and me and my mates would get some poppers every so often, and Little Fluffy Clouds come on, bam, there you go. Ride, leave them all behind comes on, there you are. But yeah, so that's my memory of... Uh, Amazing. It's, it's basically head rush in, so, a, in a shit club yeah, in so, so, so dancing to this with a head rush, a yeah. fucking slightly enlarged anus. <laughs> Twitching. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and a headache shortly afterwards. Precisely, oh, yeah, I good times. poppers, man. Good times. Oh, the worst. And so I remember that very well, and I remember reading about the orb a lot in the anime and melody maker because mm-hmm. i was reading them religiously at the time yep. they probably made the cover as one of those ones like the dance band to yeah. for the indie kids but even saying that for this album to be number one was a shock to me of course yeah i mean i i agree i mean look, the orb for me were not something i was aware of at the time in 1992 not something i was listening to mm-hmm. i i kind of had my big dance music kind of phase around kind of 95 okay that's kind of the, th- okay. the time you know I was, I was going to rave, i was kind of raised around 94 95 um and i really kind of got into my into my techno and my drum and bass right and sure i have probably heard this record before uh-huh. it, but i don't really recall it but the or- no. you know whereas you know obviously the orb are more in that kind of ambient kind of slightly progressive big long songs sure. kind of world you know orbital for me were always uh, you know, I would rather listen to stuff that had a slightly more, I guess, defined song structure to oh, it. No, I, I totally get that. Yes, and you're right. This is an outlier in terms of dance. It's not a dance thing that you go, yeah. all right, it's not the prodigy. It's not Chemical Brothers. It's not anything like that. But, but the weird thing is for me as well, though, that... Um you know, I mean, I, I do like a bit of prog music myself. Right, you sure. Know, I, I do like digging into a big, like, kind of annoyingly obtuse prog record. Uh-huh, you know. sprawling. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've not really delved that deeply. I mean, I, I like the Eno stuff that he did with U2. I like the Eno, mm-hmm. st- like, the kind of the stuff he did with Bowie and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, I'm not massively into his you know into a lot of his records I'm sure there's some of it that I'd really like but I've not delved that deeply into it's, it it's one of those ones that if you don't know it where the fuck do you start like you know sure. if someone puts together an ambient playlist mm. and again it's probably ten songs and it's three days long mm. it's like that's daunting but you know like Selective Ambient Works by Apex Twin. I think that's a... That's right, a that's, we've, we've talked about this a little bit on the web. That's, yeah. that's a great piece of work. I, I think a record that actually you'd probably get more out of than you would expect. Very possible. possible. Um, but, yeah. So, I'm, I'm going into this a little bit like... I don't really know any of these tracks. I kind of remember all of the hype around the the, the 40 minute cut of Blue yeah, at the time. Yeah, I remember sure. that being like a big thing. It was a story. Precisely. Yeah, it was a story. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm going in this without a great deal of baggage, I guess. Okay. I, so, and the interesting thing about this, and I think we'll get into this as we go. This has been a, this is a hard record 
to find a lot to talk about, isn't it? It is, yes. This is, well, it's not a record that stands up to uh, discussion, really. It's yeah. it's a it's a more of an emotional thing than a intellectual thing. Yeah, and I think the only way for two people to have the kind of conversation that we normally have about records with this record is if the two people know it intimately and have got to know all of the nuances. Mm. In, you know, if you look at the way, for example, we talked about uh, Check Your Head and there was three of us Absolutely, who all yeah. love it deep and we you know, massive nerds on it. So if you're a massive nerd on this album, you know, I apologise to you. I understand that there's probably a, a lot of nuance and a lot of stuff in the sounds and stuff that we're probably not going to get to. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're right to, to say this. And I'm coming into this with a bit more baggage than you, because like I say, I did have the first album. Mm -hmm. I did have this album as well. Mm -hmm. I don't think I I had it immediately, okay. but I know for a fact that I had a an actual bought cassette version of this, mm. uh, which I looked for at home. It's gone somewhere. But I did have it. I don't remember this album very well at all. Oh, I do not. No, I mean, obviously, I didn't know you when when you were kind of seventeen mm. or whenever this album, mm. well, when this album came out. But I don't see you spending a lot of time listening to this record. No, um, I mean, I, I I spent more time listening to the first one, but that's because it had more what I would call, and like you said, more defined songs on there, and I was into the singles, so that was my easing in. I didn't have that with this album, and I I bet you my recollection is hazy at best. But I bet you what I did was I listened to this uh, once. Mm -hmm. And went, all right, that's okay. I decided that that was enough for me for the time being and moved on completely. Sure. That's that's probably what happened. And to be fair, in that era, that might, that's more damning than you might think because we would listen. You know, do you may have albums that I love dearly now that I wonder mm. if they were released today if I'd have given the full amount of chance to do it? True. Because about times you'd be, you, you spent ten pound on an album, that's the only record you could buy that month. You put it in your car stereo and you'd listen to that motherfucker you until you it. liked it. Yeah. Like it's like, oh, I don't know how I, f I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. You know, and but you'd be like, yeah, oh, I'm going to give it a few more. You, you were so invested in enjoying it, you would really fucking try. Yeah, you would. Okay, what? What? Here's a, this is, as a little sidebar, uh -huh. right? And you might not be able to answer this because I haven't given you any preparation mm -hmm. time on this at all. But what is the album you've tried the most to get into and have never been able to? Oh, oh, there definitely is going to be some as well, because I I would have read about stuff in the press and gone, oh, it's supposed to be really cool, and. I would have tried. Oh, there definitely are going to be some. Give me, give me a minute to think. Have you got yeah. any that come straight to your mind? Well, I'm just thinking. I mean, I've, I've never really got beef heart, and I've tried. I've not tried. Oh, I've tried beef right. heart, and I've not, I've not got beef heart. Right. Rush, I struggle with. I really, really wanted to like the. Oh, oh actually, the last two Pixies albums because mm -hmm. I loved the first, let's say, three. Yeah. And I thought they were just okay. Yeah. But I, mean, I really, really gave him a go. I mean, I feel the same about everything from Queens of the Stone Age after the third record. I never tried. I listened to them, but I never went, I'm going to give this more of a chance, because I listened to them and went, nah. No, I did. I mean, like uh, the, the album, like, like Clockwork, that everyone loves. Everyone loves Like Clockwork. Do they? Yeah, I, yeah loads of people love Like Clockwork. Okay. And I went, okay, maybe I've not been, you know, and I think, is, is that one Burn Witch on it? Well, Possibly. Yeah. might be that one. And, I, you know, I think I was like, okay, there's a couple of tracks on here, like, I'll give it more of a go, but it's just... It's average. It's average. Yeah, exactly. And loads of people fucking love it. It's like, you know, a few years ago, just I kind of went, am I wrong about latter Red Hot Chili Peppers? Oh, I'll say, yeah. Is this, is this me just being a dick because it's not the same as it was? And I listened yeah. to it and I went, this is awful. 
Right. This is music for cunts. <laughs> I'll tell you, something that has just sprung to mind. Um, I think I said this to you. I have just, uh, I've nearly finished it uh, reading the book, uh, This Band Could Be Your Life or yeah. Our Band Could Be Your Life. And it's lots of different kind of US uh, hardcore bands mm-hmm. or indie bands, alternative stuff, through the late 70s and 80s. All very, very cool. And mostly bands I had ignored, uh, not even tried. Yeah. And reading through them, you get really into it and you go, oh, I didn't realise they were this important or I didn't know this story, whatever it is. And I thought, I'm going to give some of these a go. And I tried, I knew I wasn't going to do Black Flag because I'm just not into that sort of shit. Again, Black Flag is is an absolute band that I've done that with where I've been like, I was so into skating, I was so into fucking, into hardcore and everyone was wearing Black Flag stuff. Everyone was talking about really tried Black Flag and that's just like I don't care about this it's too no. it's maybe at the time it would have been radical enough that I got really into it and it was just mm. but there's so much more stuff out there that is more radical mm. than this and it's just not great badly produced punctures actually brings up uh, one that ha- do- does spring to mind um, that Henry Rollins album uh, Wait from about 1994 right. that was everyone was going oh this is a fucking amazing one with Liar on it See, I really like that day record. one don't get it See, I, th- I think In the Silence and Wait by Henry Rollins are a pair of, like, th- right. they're the only two good Rollins albums, I think. Okay. And then he replaced the, the, the lineup. And blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. But I really like those albums. I don't think they're consistently great albums, mm-hmm. but I think they are albums with, I mean, Liar itself. You must like Liar itself. Liar's, like, Liar is a good tune, but it's also a bit tuneless. He's not a good singer. Oh, no, he's a terrible singer. Mm, that's the thing. But, but uh, to go back, so I, I thought, I'm not going to try Black Flag. I tried Minutemen, but very briefly, because I knew it really wasn't going to be for me. I'm like, fuck it, okay, let's try Husker Du, because I'd never done mm. Husker Du. Didn't like it one bit. Didn't like, I, nah, I, didn't like it at all. I would, see, I wouldn't have thought that of you. I'd have thought I thought there would be a greatest hits in Husker Du that you would enjoy. Maybe there is. Maybe there is. Uh, and if someone wants to put like a, an eight or ten track best of Husker Du for someone who likes hit singles... Mm-hmm. Feel free to do so and let us know, let me know. But listening to, I think I did two albums, yep. and it was in the background, fair enough, but... Dull, fair enough, man. Dull, dull, dull. Fair enough, fair but enough. That's a good question. I like it, I like it. Cool. All right, well, look, let's start as we always do with this right. record on yes. the album cover. Sure. Uh, it is a... Not CGI, that's not the word. Computer fractal. Yeah, computer-generated yeah, image. It, yeah, 1992 computer-generated yeah. fractal. It's an odd shape. Mm-hmm. It's every single ray fly you've ever seen. It really is. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's the kind of stuff that, that made the people that made the lawnmower man think that they, they perfected CGI. Yeah. It's it's not good. It's, no, it's, I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad, and it fits exactly what this band is. Like you said, it, it's uh, every single other rave compilation back then you know this is the sort of imagery and font that you'd see on there as well yeah exactly so you know i mean in terms of other albums we've done i I guess the closest thing to it is eurasia's uh uh, chorus chorus yeah which had a kind of slightly bit of that kind of rabby imagery some of those jesus jones one as well maybe yeah maybe jesus jones maybe slightly off for me but yeah anyway it's fine it It is exactly you know what you're getting Precisely. This is, uh, this is it, a Heinz baked beans tin of a record cover. Yeah. Oh, oh totally. Um, this is the sort of thing you would see in, you know, the one shop in your town that has a lot of tie-dye, mm-hmm. um, a lot of poppers, yeah. uh, <laughs> joss sticks. And that is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with this at all. It doesn't yeah. excite me. But I look at it and go, yeah, okay. It is That's the it orb. Is, man. It's fine. Fuck it. <laughs> right. and, and I think throughout this entire conversation, 
there are going to be uh, a few different bits where we go, but tell you what, if I was on drugs <laughs> and... Have sure. You, have you been reading my notes? <laughs> <laughs> and so this cover is kind of along those lines. Yeah. Hey, man, if I was fucking on drugs and this poster was on a wall of the party I was at, I think it was wicked. Yeah. And this is this is the thing. This is, you know, uh, not to demean it in, in any way, but this is a record that has been designed to be enjoyed whilst enhanced, I totally. would suggest. And there's nothing wrong with that either. That's totally fine. In fact, I would say it's mainly been designed when you're slightly coming down from being enhanced. Well, yes. And this is where the orb started. You know, they, they got their break uh, as being in one back room of uh, Dance Club Heaven in London at, in the late 80s, where they did this chill out stuff. And they were playing a lot of dub and a lot of uh, probably the Eno stuff the ambient Eno yeah. stuff and it was entirely uh, a different thing to the the main room mm-hmm. and that was on purpose and this is exactly what it is it is once you've done everything you need to do and sweated your little arse off dancing to some hard house yeah. come and have a listen to this exactly this is chill out room it's a kind yeah. of almost a birth of the chill out room exactly it is what it is now we've done all this, let's get into the first track. Okay. This one's called O-O-B-E, which we think... Well, I'm, I'm assuming, I've, I've not had any evidence to say so, but I'm assuming it means out-of-body experience, yeah, out-of-body. which would make sense to me. Yeah. Okay, so this is track one, Yep. and it is nearly 13 minutes long. Yes, it is. Usually, what we would do at this point would be, I would start playing the song, mm-hmm. you'd hear some of the intros, so you get the flavour of it, and we'd be talking, and then after a minute or so, I'll take the music away, because you've, you've got the flavour. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's, let, you know, let's just verbally recap what we've got. Okay, so look, we've got yes. some ominous tones start. Uh-huh. We get the sound, which of essentially a computer turning on, I would say. <laughs> right. And we've got some whittly computer noises, and that's up until two minutes. Yeah. At which point I've made I've made a few marks on some of these. Two okay, minutes. good stuff. Yep. So far, so ambient. I wrote. Fine. Well, there you go. It could, maybe that's what this should have been called. Yeah. And then two minutes twenty four, we get a sample of a of some deep philosophical philosophical kind of bollocks. Right. Yeah. There's some something that should sound profound if you're on drugs. Yeah. It's exactly that. It's like, oh yeah, man. Why have you never thought of it like that before? Mm. And it's like, oh, it's because if yeah. if it stands up to any examination, it's bollocks. Yeah. Um, frequencies that will basically tweak the shit out of you if you come come down. That's that's what, okay. where, where we're at. Okay. Yep. And then like, we get about five minutes in, and there's a slightly faster rhythm. I don't know. Where, where do you want to start playing this from? Let's let's go for around about four minutes. Okay. In. It, four minutes into this thirteen-minute song, right? This is. Like I say, four minutes in, and it's been building very, very slowly to this yeah. point. And this isn't anything that you can think this is a build. Mm. This is still in the middle of the build. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very nice. It's it's very nice in the background. There's there's, there's some tinkling little bits going on. Yeah. It's it's all very pleasant. Yeah. And this and this is exactly the thing. Now, when I because I've listened to this album, I would say six times. No, nope, yeah, probably about the same. Way. Yeah, about six times. And the vast majority of times I've listened to it, I put it on while I was doing my job. Right at the minute, mm-hmm. I'm doing this customer service online chat job. Yeah, had it on in the background, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of the time I wasn't noticing a lot of it. No, it's it's not an album for noticing, is it? And when I sat down and listened to it with my full attention, right in my notes. Yep. I, I, you know, I, that was. You know, that was the first time I paid attention to a lot of the things. 
I had less patience with it, if I'm honest with you. Really? When, okay, it, had my yeah. full att- when it had my full attention. Um, just because, I, I don't know, I, I couldn't work out whether it was the record of the point of the exercise that we were in, which is trying to find things to say about it. Oh, well, yeah, no, it's very tough. It, I don't think this is an album that you should dissect, really. No. This is an album for being in a room after you've done a shit ton of drugs or lying in a field watching the sunset or something like this. This is not an album for dissection. Yeah, allowing it to wash over you mm. to pick up on certain sounds, bits and pieces. Now, yeah. I appreciate that a few of the people that wrote to us uh, and said that we were very hard on uh, Enigma... Okay, sure. ...may feel that that, is, that we should have extended that caveat to that record. That is probably true. You know, maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. Uh, but that with that one, I find it harder to just let it wash over yeah. me. It was. It, this immediately feels like it has a greater sense of purpose than that record. It doesn't yes, seem as self-important. Yeah. No. It and it also doesn't. No, you're right. It doesn't seem as smug. That's. I mean, smug is the word. Yeah. Um, but. This this is, and uh, uh, here's just an aside. This is the longest album that we have talked about so far. This mm-hmm. is the full seventy three and a bit minutes. So yeah. obviously this, they're tra- filling the CD. With yeah. this. Um, even though there are only seven songs on here, and the last song is forty five seconds long. Yeah. So there's six songs of, the, and it's the longest album we've done. This is meant to be a body of work that you you. Just put on and relax and enjoy well, and I mean, don't listen and, too and much. And it's kind of a concept album as well. Yeah. It's kind of a concept album yeah, about space you know, kind of alien experiences yeah. and all of those kind of bits mm-hmm. and pieces. So we're here, we get five minutes in, we start getting a slightly fast, faster rhythm. A bit more sense. happening, but not much, yeah. Seven minutes, I would describe it as sounding a bit of an urgent cacophony. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> I think we saw them at Reading one year. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> And I'll be honest with you, my note around seven minutes is I'm not really enjoying this very much. Okay. When you say you weren't enjoying it, do you mean that you were actively not enjoying it? Or just mean that it didn't do anything for you? I just wanted it to fucking get on with it. Yeah, yeah, fine. That's what I wanted. Which is really unfair criticism, I know it is. Indeed, and it's not the album that will ever do that. These are not the songs that will do that. They're deliberately long and drawn out and textures rather than, you know, just full yeah. on, here's a 4-4-B. Four, four all that stuff. I, I did quite enjoy this one. Okay. Um, I would have been a m- much more of a fan of it had they taken the first two minutes and the last two minutes off, because mm-hmm. the first two minutes are basically silence, and the last two minutes is basically gibberish. Yeah. Uh, so, don't make it a 13-minute one for me. Take four minutes off, and have a bit more ha- happening. That would be fine. But I get what they're trying to do. They're setting the scene. Mm-hmm. It's an opener. And it is a very, very gentle, here you go, this is what sure. we're doing. Uh, and I was okay with it. I kind of liked the feel of it. You know, we got some squelchy stabs in a little mm-hmm. bit later in the song. I didn't mind those. But like you say, we get to 10 minutes and we're back in with the fucking prof- the profound sample. Yeah. And basically... Two minutes of back into the intro sounds, devolving back out of it. Indeed, yeah. And and, and okay, as part of an overall piece, I see what you're doing, but it, I didn't enjoy that bit at all. No, I didn't care. I kind of visualised this one. Um, it, it in in terms of what it made me think of. Right. Uh, soundtrack almost this. Um, 
I thought if if you were watching uh, a film, probably about, about outer space, it's one of these yeah. more trippy outer space films, and you are in the the lab and uh, they open the doors and there is suddenly this massive leafy garden that they are growing uh, greenery in and it's bright sunshine, fake sunshine, and it's all kind of a little bit magical and very soft focus and very bright lights. Have you been watching The Expanse? <laughs> it's exactly like that. That's what I this makes me think of, uh, is is uh, being taken from uh, a bit of nothingness into this, oh, and here's this you know paradise we're trying to create, yeah. that sort of shit. And I kind of liked it. It's golden light and it's uh, it's birds in the sky when you, you didn't expect it. It's that sort of thing. It's, it's hippie as fuck. Yeah. It's absolute hippie nonsense. But... I, I kind of liked what it was trying to do, and I, in terms of the other ones on this, I thought this was a bit better at doing that than some of the other ones. Oh, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't like this one at all. Yeah. Anyway, let's do track two. Yes, indeed. All right, Which track is, number two. This is, the, uh, this is the title track. Yep. UF Orb. UF Orb. And this is much shorter for a start. It's only six minutes long. Half the length. Which, you know, when you say, oh, this is much shorter, it's only six minutes Look at all the other albums we've done. Mm-hmm. Every other time we've gone six-minute song, we've gone, oh, and this one's fucking six minutes long. Yeah. But, yeah, we're actually uh, congratulating the Orb on cutting this one back. Uh, right, so let's play a bit of this. Okay, so immediately this one is 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 brighter. Okay, yep, yep. It's, yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it's more up front. There's something happening. It's more chimey. Definitely chimey. Definitely. Um, yeah. Shout out to shout out to Rob Mulholland for his bit about wind chimes. Um, <laughs> it's more chimey. Um, we, we've got more samples in here. Yeah. This little. And this one. This is because in the full 13 minutes of the first one, there was no beat at all. Oh no, well. not at all. There not was not at a all. drum came in. This one at some point does actually go. Oh fuck it. Let's let's chuck a drum in. I'll tell you when that exactly. It's exactly to be honest. Oh, with go you. for it. That's at one minute and 49. Is it? Yeah. Because I'll be honest with you. Fuck me, I have never been so happy to hear a basic 4-4 like <laughs> in my entire life. A basic never, one never, been, never been so happy. Mm. So, oh, fucking hell, a beat. Well, this is happening. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like this whole thing. We're, we're, we're set out here in your garden. We're not drinking draft beer. We've got, we've we got bottled some bottles. Beer. We've got bottled beer. Like, but this is good enough. Because sure. I haven't had this in so long. Sure. Yeah, no, and exactly, that's my, exactly my... what that beat was like for was me. A... <laughs> this will do nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank the Lord. Oh, here we go, the underwater siren noise. Yeah, this is the first time that we see, I think, the dub influences coming in. Um, I, I quite like that noise, I've got to say. Right. But this is, they, they do, they're well known for their dub influence, the orb. Yeah. Um, and the track one didn't really have it in here, no. but they're showing their, their cards at this point on that, that uh, stance. So this this track itself is very textured and layered. Mm-hmm. Um, there are they, they start varying the beats, start fucking around with the beat as as this goes on. It, yeah, start putting more, cuts it up a bit. More, more beats into it. Yeah, and I think there's some nice stuff that they do with that. Um, I think this song is fine. It is it's fine, and this is exactly what I would expect from the orb. Yeah, this is the kind of music that I would be very happy to do some studying to. Okay. To do a bit of work to 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 put on like maybe if I'm do it having a bath and I've had a tough day and I want to relax a little bit mm-hmm. you know it's not quite mindfulness music but it's it's yeah. in that it's a bit new agey for sure yeah yeah, yeah uh, this is 
it's, it's not like the best dance track I've ever heard, anything like that, but it sounds more like the orb I was used to mm-hmm. in terms of Perpetual Dawn, Little Floppy Clouds, those big hits, yeah. than, uh, well, especially track one, and a lot of the other stuff on here. And this is like, okay, this is what I think of as the yeah. orb. Okay. I think it works fine. I think it works well after track one. It kind of brings you further into the journey that they're trying to bring us into. Yeah. There's, there's more happening. Uh, it's a little bit a little bit darker, not much. A little bit more, uh, a little bit harder because there's an actual beat. It's fine. It's it's, it's perfectly nice. It is okay. I, I don't I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's no. very good background music in a way that the first track for me kind of wasn't. Okay. The first track was a little bit jarring in places. There was too much bullshit going on. Anyway, but anyway. Okay. So, um, right. Well, okay. There's only there's only there's there's, there's only really six tracks on sound. There's seven yeah. in theory. So, uh, bizarrely, at this point, after two tracks, we're going to take a break and have a look at the albums. <laughs> oh, fucking ridiculous. Here we go. This All might right. be a short episode, motherfuckers. So, album-wise, at this point in time. We'll do the top ten for the week that the orb was number one, obviously. But we do have a load of albums that came out kind of previously in in terms of uh, whenever Lionel Richie was at number one. So we've got a load of kind of other stuff that we yeah. can have a look at and cool. see what else was going on. Uh, the top ten, though, number ten, of course, it is simply Red Stars. Of course, it is. Of course, it is. It's still in the top ten. Number nine is the best of Prefab Sprout. I don't know why that's happened. But, um, okay. Hot dog, jumping frog. Well, that's the only reason I can think of. Oh. Uh, number eight is Elton John with The One. No idea. No. Don't remember that at all. I'm not sure if that's the greatest hits. I don't think it was. No, it can't be because he's had greatest hits two years ago. Yeah, true. No. Okay, well, I'm also there, therefore surprised that, that didn't get to number one. Well, I mean... But Lionel know. Richie must have just dominated. Why was Lionel Richie number one for, for six weeks? Maybe the Sword of Omens gave him strength beyond strength. Or sight beyond sight. Lion O' Richie. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I'm sorry I asked. Number seven. Uh, Michael Crawford performs Andrew Lloyd Webber. So brilliant. Uh, number six. Neil Diamond's greatest hits. Okay. So again, we're just a load of greatest Sweet hits. Sweet Caroline so 15 times. Probably. Yeah. Uh, Megadeth, Countdown to Extinction. At number five. <laughs> I've got... I uh, Of all the Megadeth albums, yeah. that's the one I've got a relationship with. All right. Um, And, you know, I, I have a problem with Megadeth. I have a problem with Dave Mustaine and his fucking whiny voice. Of course, voice. of course. Uh, but that was the record that I gave a go. And, you know, that's not the cool one to like. You, people, you know, Rust in Peace or Peace Cells. Those are the ones those, that people right. fucking really, really love. But you, I, you would go to bat a little bit for this one, would you? I mean, no, I wouldn't. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> In a, look, mate, I, when I was 17, this was okay. But what I will do is I'll go, hello, me, meet the real me. I'm assuming that's from the album. Yeah, it is. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, sweating bullets. God. It's, uh, you know, but I mean, let's fucking give it to Countdown to Extinction. Now, that is a fucking tune. Oh, sorry, Symphony of Destruction, should I say? Indeed, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we might well hear that in the, the singles countdown. Might be really. uh, number four, Joe Cocker, the legend. Okay. Uh, number three, Mariah Carey, MTV Unplugged. <sighs> like already, she only released her first album like the previous year. But you got to remember how big she was. Amazing. Oh, it was it was huge. It was absolutely massive. So yeah, she's got an MTV Unplugged, and then number two is Lionel Richie uh, with his greatest hits, which was called Back to Front. 
which is okay. how you should wipe, isn't it? Yes, I believe or, so. Or, or not. I don't, because I, I like to get a bit of <laughs> shit on my testicles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's your top ten, anyway. Loads of greatest hits. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, this is the most different one we've seen in a while, because we've had this six-week break, but it is still fucking greatest hits all the way. I'd have to say the best of the Beatles. Not quite. Other albums that are out, though. Okay, so... Um, We've got Chris Cross with Totally Crossed Out. Totally Crossed Out, yeah. Got to, only got to number 31 in the UK you know charts. They, I mean, they were fucking enormous in the States. That's what I imagine. It was a I mean, much bigger enormous. deal over there, wasn't it? But, you know, uh, I mean, I I had a kind of semi-ironic soft spot for Chris Cross at the time. Right. And to this day. Oh, see, I've never heard this whole album. Oh, I have, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had a tape of it. I don't think I listened to it a lot because yeah. I was listening to better hip hop. I was already, yeah. you know, I was aware that this was dog shit. Yeah, but, exactly. But, but Jump is a pretty solid <laughs> Jump is a track. Is, is, I mean, it's a brilliant pop song. Yeah. And it's a semi-decent hip hop track. I mean, it's fine. It, they, haven't it's got, they haven't got any other good songs. I missed the bus, I think, which was their second yeah, biggest song. And that's, that's awful. Oh, it's awful. That yeah. was, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think it's entirely possible that I heard the second song and went, Oh, I might have thought about listening to your album, but this has entirely turned me off. Yeah. But, you know, it was Jermaine D- Dupree at the height of his powers. Oh, yeah. and, you know, he was, Making the money. And we, we did the conversation about the House of Pain thing last week. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah but, anyway. I, uh, and I bet you, you know, if you go, it's the same with um, Michael Caine and Jaws 4. If you say to Jermaine Dupree, oh, are you proud of that crisscross album? And he'd probably go, no, but the mansion it bought me is lovely. Anyway. Uh, also, what, Silverfish um, released Organ Fan. Uh, I never, I never the listened indie. to Silverfish. I, I enjoyed them, but I was never a big fan. I know some people were really, really big fans. Uh-huh. And I, I probably am not the right target audience because I was not a 17-year-old girl at the time. And it probably meant much more to... You, uh, you wouldn't be a 17-year-old girl for several years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a, a strange journey I took. <laughs> uh, but I imagine, had I been, um, you know, an angsty, indie, punky girl at the time, Silverfish would have been fucking brilliant uh-huh. because Leslie Rankin would have been an idol for me. Um uh, Black Sabbath released Dehumanizer at this point. Uh, got to number 28. I, I don't, think, I don't no think I've ever heard, I don't think I've ever heard Sabbath, record. not a clue, mate. Who was singing for him in the 90s? Was this, was this like when they had Tony, whatever his fucking name? I can't, I mean, I can't I remember no what idea, his name man. is. Don't care. No, uh, Cud released Asquarius. Yeah. Uh, and I must admit, I never had the album. I liked the singles. Uh, Cy Sharp, who we've already mentioned, um, occasional <laughs> co-host of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Massive Cud fan. Uh, but no, not my thing. Eric B. and Rakim released Don't Sweat the Technique. Okay. Only got to number 73. Yeah. Um, Hip Hop had moved on. It had. The, I, uh, there's another Facebook group that we're part of, the Temporary Fandoms one. Yeah. And I did Eric B. and Rakim's yeah. uh, Back Cat for that. And this is a good album. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I hadn't properly listened to it before that. This is a very, very good hip-hop album. And it's entirely within my wheelhouse of this is the hip-hop I like because they were still doing that, that classic era stuff. Yep. While other people were moving on, this wasn't. This is. There were a couple of R&B tunes, um, which I'm guessing the record company was like, why don't you have a hit? Rap and bullshit. You heard. But for the most part, this is big funk breaks. Rakim doing his lovely vocal delivery over the yep. top. It's a really good hip-hop album, but I didn't know it at the time at all. 
Okay, I've, I don't, I don't know it. Uh, House of Love released Babe Rainbow. Uh, got to number thirty-four. What was their single? Uh, it was Shine On. She, 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 Shine On. That was the big yep. hit. Never heard this album because I wasn't interested enough in the singles I heard. Okay. I, 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 I know that is it Guy Chadwick. I think is the singer. I know that he had a certain cachet in the indie press. Whatever he did, and House of Love did was going to be talked about, but. I wasn't enough into them. Didn't you weren't drinking the Kool-Aid. I wasn't. Uh, Future Sound of London released Accelerator, uh-huh. which got to number 75, so only just into the charts. Yeah, I mean, I listened to a lot of uh, ISDN mm-hmm. at university because my my uh, my pal Jack was big into it. Yep. And, you know, it was fine to me. It was it was, it was on that. The thing is, I, I, I liked techno to a degree, yep. right? But I always had a caveat that it had to have a kind of a slightly more human, organic feel to I it. I see. All right. right. Yeah. And like all but all kind of fulfilled that for me. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't know why all but all are significantly different. Um, okay. But, you know, techno could leave me quite cold. The more oh, well, it cold, can be very cold. It can be deliberately cold. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, like my pal Drew, for example, he was all into that thing. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know, really minimalist techno computers talking to other yeah. computers, and, and my friend, my pals Alan, and all those people, they love that shit. For me, yeah, uh, those people that you know don't fit into society well. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, sure. I want a bit more. You know, I, I, I need <laughs> I need a little bit more funk in my junk, mate. Right. Fine. I I agree. I never particularly got into Future Sound London. Uh, I think it was. Maybe the last podcast we did, or the one before, where uh, Papua New Guinea came up. Yeah. And that is a brilliant song. An absolutely genre-defying, fantastic song. But that is an outlier on their fucking... Exactly. I think it was one of those ones, uh, probably the same, you know, I heard that one and went, fuck, that's incredible. Then heard the next one and went, oh, that leaves me cold. And so just didn't go for any more. MC Ren released Kiz My Black As. As. And I'm spelling both kiz and as with double z's. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't even make sense. No. Kiz. Kiz. I own that album. Oh, yes. My my pal Harry gave it to me a few years ago. Oh, right. Probably over 10 years ago. Out of spite. Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever listened to it all the way through. (laughs) I see. It's MC Ren for NWA, if anybody doesn't know, by the way. Yeah, so basically, like, you know, I mean, it used to be a story no one knew, then the whole kind of movie came out. But, you know, there was a schism in that NWA, and Ice Cube went one way, then Dr. Dre went. The other way, and Easy E, MC Ren, Yellow Boy, they went in another direction. Sure, yes, uh, and of everyone, apart from Yellow, who was kind of like DJ producer yeah. and didn't really do anything much, of all of them, Ren had the least success dramatically. Oh, by far, and this was a terrible record. Oh, right. The thing is about Ren, like Ice Cube was the main lyricist. Yep. In NWA, and then Ice Cube left. And DOC was the main ghostwriter yeah, for sure. NWA. I mean, to be fair to him, and we discussed this before in the podcast, by the time 100 Miles on Running came out, Ren wrote a lot of the lyrics to Surprise Part 2 uh-huh. and 100 Miles on Running. And that's brilliant. Uh, those are, for me, that EP, uh, and there's, there's, that EP is probably the best release they made. Right. Uh, I th- you know, I think 100 Miles on Running. In, ter- and- in terms of ratio of, of good to bad. Just in terms, I think uh, 100 Miles Running and uh, Surprise Part 2 are two of the best in WA songs. Right. Uh, I think you know, the the only things that come close to that are uh, Gangster Gangster, mm-hmm. Straight Out Compton, Fuck the Police. Fuck the Police, yeah. 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 I think those are the only three tracks that come. If, if you were naming five top tracks, those would be the five top tracks. Fair play. And then you'd put Always Into Something exactly. as a close. Yeah, as a close yeah. yeah there would be like one or two of uh, the second album that yeah. I, would, I would include. What's that second album called? 
Oh, Ethel Frizagan. Oh, right, okay, yeah. wonderful. Um, and uh, rest in peace, George Floyd, man. <laughs> Fucking seriously, Jesus. fuck that, man. Fuck that shit. The world is I just, mate, the world is fucked. And I, like, you know what, man? This is not a fucking political stage in any way, shape, or form. And I, I've I've maintained a distance from this shit on social media. But why the fuck are we here? How the fuck are we here? How have we got this racist piece of fucking shit running the White House? It's mental. Every time he says things, it's, it's like fucking. Are we in the film Idiocracy? It's terrifying. Uh, like, right. There is like obviously. We are two fucking white blokes talking about shit and talking about music. As our opinions are inconsequential, but fuck racists in their fucking dipshit asses. What I did hear today was that um, you know, the, obviously the hacker group Anonymous, yeah, um, have made a resurgence today. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, they have released a lot of details about Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, they took down the Minneapolis police website, mm-hmm. and they also uh, hacked the. I think the Minneapolis police radios and made them all play Fuck the Police. Nice. Yeah. That is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> so, but the thing about that album, you say you've not really listened to it much. I've never heard it and have no intention of doing so. I can do you a copy. If, if anyone said to me, okay, tell you what, this song and this song off that album are fucking brilliant, I would listen to them. Mm-hmm. I am never going to go on my own volition and go, I'm gonna try that Ren album. Have you ever have you ever listened to like uh, Fifty One Fifty Home for the Sick or yeah, One Eight Seven yeah. I Motherfucker? Yeah, I, I had both of those on tape. Those are fucking terrible. They're awful. They're terrible. They're, they are ones that I actually I think I got both of those off a friend. Uh, well, one of my dad's friends because he got them on promo, and I I was like, oh fucking easy, where can I'm having these? Took them home, listened to them. Bullshit. Never listen to him again. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was only one post NWA Easy E track that I'll listen to, and that's the Christmas one. Because that's funny as tits. <laughs> What's the Christmas? I can't remember this. Merry motherfucking Christmas. <laughs> no, I heard that. I bet you have. I can't it's, remember it. It's funny as fuck. Right. I mean, uh, you know, in the way that latter-day NWA stuff was funny. It was ridiculous. Over the yeah, top. Stupid. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, right. So that's okay. Let's kiss my blackout. Okay. But there are two other albums uh, that were released in this time period. And they are, they're big and important albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's one of them especially for you because I know your tastes. Uh, Helmet. Meantime came oh my out in this God, period. Oh, this record changed right. my fucking life. So here we go. Right, because I didn't hear this for at least, I'd say, two years after release. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't even really aware of this single of Unsung until the year after, mm-hmm. whenever I first went to the States and in 93 yeah. and saw it on MTV all the time. But in 92, not a fucking notion, mate. Look, man, so, okay, I'll put you in the picture. 1992, I'm at Sixth Form College... Uh-huh. met a load of dudes who were fucking banging to their alternative music knew their shit about alternative music and I was in the skateboarding at the time and that was kind of my in right right. and whereas I'd been like fucking not really a cool guy at fucking my school these guys fucking took me in and I was hanging out with these people yep. right uh, and they you know fucking you know, big shout out to my good friend Ian Cherry like fucking started taking me out to clubs and stuff yep. like that nice. introduced me to that entire fucking world right? sure. yeah sure and Helmet's Meantime was a fucking record in that circle. To this day, though, I don't think there was another record that sounds like Meantime. There's something about uh-huh. the sounds in it, like how grime, you know, because 
at his heart, Paige Hamilton, main man, is quite a songwriter, right? Okay. And like, if you listen to latter day Helmet stuff, you know, he's kind of got that more sing song. But there is something about the way that Mean Time is produced that is so grimy, so filthy. Yeah. And look, right, the thing about the thing about uh, this record, and you know, and the next one as well, is you've got. Uh, fucking hell, what's his name? John Stanier on drums. Right, yeah. And John Stanier plays drums like a the, the drums mother. are tight as hell. And this is the thing, man. I mean, I imagine, you know, if you're more into pop music, more into your alternative music, you know, maybe you've never listened to Helmet, right? It was it was definitely a, kind of an underground kind of rock, alternative rock thing. Yeah. Um, but you might have listened to Battles in more recent years. Like oh, yeah, that, yeah. that first Battles album. Yeah, and John, sure. John Stanier was the drummer on Battles. Mm. And that kind of tour... Ridiculous drumming on that. Yeah, oh, my God. That tour playing, that everything, that there's nothing is out of place. Everything is like... All, it, it, it's almost robotically tight, mm. but there's so much fucking feel in it as well yeah sure definitely uh, that I, I would say that that is uh you know in my top three like uh, drum performances on any fucking rock record what a meantime yeah fuck yeah. me oh it's so good there's just no there's there's no waste on it at all sure and you know i mean you've got uh, you know th- I, I don't think there's a bad track on that record mm-hmm. but at the same time you've got about three or four absolute standouts. You've got in the meantime, you've got unsung as you as of course, yeah, I mean, yeah. unsung is the one everyone knows because it was That's a guitar the, the hero. One, yeah, uh, and you know, got you know fucking FBLA uh, two, and it's a fucking great record. It's got those fucking weird, you know, those good kind of really stop starty staccato guitar licks. Very staccato. The whole way through is 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 kind of that abrasive stop start. It's not a smooth record. And abrasive is the best word. It is so fucking. It's like listening to sandpaper that record. Yeah, but for me, this was. This you know this is a record again you know I, I can't separate this from the moment in time I had some of the most incredible uh, fucking experiences of my life. To I know on. how much of a fan of this album and this band that you are. I so mean, I, you are you're entrenched in this. I mean I saw this band about five or six times on. I saw, I saw them I think right at the tail end of this album. Yeah. And I saw them about four or five times on the next record. Right. And I love this record. This was my band. It's absolutely it was my favourite band in the world for a minute. Sure. Um, sure. And I, you know, I still, I still think that I still think that this album, and the next album, are fucking fantastic. And what what year? I can't. Who knows what year it was? Whenever we saw them at Download, and they encored with um, just another victim. Yeah. That oh was incredible. Was Absolutely. So incredible. So we were good. not expecting that. And Ooh. my God, it was good. Okay, well, there you go. That's, that's Helmet was released in this time, and I've not even put a uh, a chart position beside that in my notes. I'm assuming it didn't make even top 75. Oh, I doubt it. Nah, nah. Uh, the other one, though, the last one that I've got a note of is Caius released Blues for the Red Sun. Oh, what record so is night- this? And this is fucking years before I heard this album. I did not hear Caius for... I'm saying at least till '95, probably '96, maybe. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I was. What year did the first Queen's album come out? '99. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was in the Caius for probably, yeah, probably '95, '95, '96. Right. I was, I was not a Caius fan at the time. I never saw them live at the time. No. Um, they, they were just kind of off my radar somehow, and I, I don't really know how because I was reading all the publications. I think they were a band that I'd read about. But they were not a band that I was actively listening to, and when right. I when I discovered Caius, blew my fucking mind. Well, th- there you go. If you haven't been into them at the time, and you, suddenly years later you go, "Oh shit, 
here's three albums for you. Yeah. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. It's fucking brilliant. I mean, you know, I, I, I think if you look at, uh, and I, I get flamed for this all the fucking time, right? right? But I think Kaiser are a much better band than Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, hmm, there's a, okay, there's a question. Um, I would I would disagree with that. I think that they have more of an unblemished career. I would say if you go like this, right? You but, go, yeah. I think you've got. I think the first two Queens of the Stone Age albums are incredible. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Both them, the first two perfect. Third one, I think, is brilliant as well. I think. I think. I think the third one is very good. Oh right, I think it's better than that. I see. I I I don't think it's. I I think it is a significant drop off in creativity from the first two, uh-huh. um, but it's still very good because it's still got the kind of the the harder rock sound, um, and it it doesn't meander as much as their next records would. Okay. Uh, I I know that that is not a popular opinion. A lot of people think they didn't find their stride until the fourth album. I think that's bullshit. Uh, those people are different fans. Yeah. Uh, to to well from the times that you were you know I think I think you would agree I think their first albums are best yeah yes I agree uh, the Queen's Stone Age um I I know people who think that Songs for the Deaf is their best but that's wrong and therefore they're looking for a different sound yeah. from Queen's Stone Age but Caius just did Caius they mm-hmm. didn't have a real journey they didn't like go from A to F like uh, no. Queens have done, they just went, here you go, this is what we do. Yeah, it was, uh, and you know, but you got to bear in mind that it's what no one else was doing at the time. You know, we we say this from like, the ubiquitous perspective that we have a thing as Stoner Rock. Sure, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, we can have a Stoner Rock festival now. and But, you, you know, you couldn't really. No, and we have talked about on this podcast before, whenever the first Monster Magnet uh, album came out, we sure. went... This was kind of the birth of Stoner Rock, maybe. This was the first yeah. big one or the first milestone, for sure. But this one, 1992, releasing Blues for the Red Sun. Again, I missed it entirely at the time. Yeah. But looking back, you have to go, this was a fucking sea change in Stoner Rock. Oh, man, this because is such the, a good record. Because exactly, this isn't Monster Magnet. You know, Monster Magnet, I love. But this isn't just uh, another sort of monster magnet i think this is taking that genre in a big spacier way mm-hmm. uh, and and there's something very i'm not sure how to, how to define it but something very different between the two bands and if you had gone oh i like stoner rock i like monster magnet until this point you then have to go oh no wait I now like Stoner Rock because I like Caius. The, 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 you can't just go, I like Stoner Rock, but I don't like Caius. Caius took over. Yeah. Caius made it their own. For sure. It feels like a band of fucking brothers, all yeah. on the same fucking path, as opposed to Queen's of Stone Age, where it sounds like uh, the evolving story of Josh, Josh Holmes' ego. Yeah. yeah. You, know, uh, and, you know, and I love those first three Queen's albums. I do. Yeah. Uh, but this record is so pure, man. Like mm. fucking, you know, thumb green oh machine. Like, come on! I mean, I mean, I, I think I, I've, I've debated this many, many times. Uh-huh. Right? I think Sky Valley is my favourite. Okay. Caius record. Okay. Right. I think this is my second favourite Caius record. Fair play. And you know what? Circus Leaves Town is full of fucking classics <laughs> as well. Absolutely, absolutely. But they all have the Caius sound. Mm-hmm. 
And whenever we went and saw uh, Caius Libs, yeah. which was um, the kind of the band that they couldn't reform and call themselves Caius. Yeah. So they called themselves something different. We saw mm-hmm. them at Download a couple of years ago, maybe yeah. two, three years ago. I saw them at Forum as well. Oh, did you? Fuck yeah. me. Um, but when they came out playing the songs from this album, mm-hmm. sweet Christ, it was amazing. Yeah. It was absolutely mind-blowing. And I would love to hear it again, but yeah. I don't. But truth is, I don't want to hear it without Josh Homme, and I don't think it would be good if they got back together. I, you know, I was having this right, conversation sure. with a friend of the show, Lee Lewis, the other day, yeah. and, you know, the conversation was, fucking, John Garcia is too much of a fucking drunk. Josh is too much for fucking dipshit. Oh, um, he would never go backwards. No, he never would. No, he, he never. He, he never. Mate, mate, he's a fucking multi-millionaire because of what he does. Of course, he will never revisit Caius. But best, best Josh homework of the last ten years, would you say? Uh, of the last ten years, I can't think of anything that I think is half decent. That fucking. Did you listen to that Iggy Pop album? Post, uh, post. Uh, oh, I never did. No, I, I heard the singles off it on Six Music. No, that album is fucking. St- Stunning. Really? That's that's. I would say if I, if you were asking me uh, my top five albums of the last ten years, that oh. would be in the upper echelon. Yeah, right. If not my favourite. Re- right, that's, that's a great record. I definitely recommend checking that out. There you go. Okay, recommendation of the week. Right. right let's uh, dig back into. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but there you go. There's your albums. That is some good shit. Okay, yes, we have six weeks of stuff to talk about. Well, four weeks released realistically because we did a couple of weeks worth in there. Uh, in the last one with the Michael Ball, etc. Yeah. But that is some good, good, good shit we're talking about here. A lot of oh, nice that, things coming out. That's some genre defining. It shit. is. It is. 1992, mate. I mean, we talk about years and you know what they mean. 92 is an incredible year for music. Yeah. We we've already seen some. There is some amazing stuff still to come. Yeah. Anyway, let, let's okay. Right. Let, let's let's do uh, let's let's go back, back into, into the, the orb. orb. So this is the next one. This is the the big single they talked about at the time. This was Blue Room. You already alluded to it before. The single version they released was forty minutes long, um, because they had the the Chart and Information Network, who um, compiled the UK chart, had they had just extended the permissible playing time of a chart eligible song from from twenty five minutes to forty minutes, and yep. so. The Orb decided to record a a version of Blue Room that was 39 minutes and 57 seconds long. Yeah. And released that. Just so it was like, you know, not, it wasn't in no way, I guess, a fuck you because they were playing within the rules. They were like, let's see what happens. They were playing around with it and it got to number eight. So this yeah. was the single. It got to number eight in the charts for a 40 minute ambient dub track. That's fucking weird stuff going on. Uh, but. I guess this was the one that people heard first. There was a version of it, obviously, uh, released for radio and TV, etc. And uh, Phil Guthrie, regular listener Phil Guthrie, he talked about the Top of the Pops uh, thing that they did with this, where they had always said, apparently, oh, we're never going on Top of the Pops, that's for sellouts. You know, imagine having to be the sort of person who goes on Top of the Pops. And then this was a massive hit, so they kind of, well, the record label probably went hard to so, fucking do it, guys. Whatever, and they went on and they played an edited version of the song, obviously, and l- just sat at a table playing chess. Nice. While there was lights going on and kind of lasers go- happening, the song playing, and the two of them, uh, 
uh, fuck, we haven't even mentioned the people. It was uh, so Alex Patterson, mm-hmm. uh, the Orb, and Chris Weston at this point, uh, who were the Orb, just sitting at a table playing chess on top of the pops for four minutes, presumably. And I can't remember, I've not actually looked, but presumably while Top of the Pops did their usual thing of swooping cameras and the audience dancing. That's good for, I like that. I yeah. like the fact they did that. But yeah, this is a bizarre single. What's your What's your favourite Top of the Pops fuck you? Fuck, the, fuck you, Nirvana. Which one was that? What did they do? They... Uh, Nirvana, uh, I can't remember which song they did, but uh, yeah, Kurt Cobain basically held his guitar really loosely and didn't do anything with it. Just did, did an up and down strum, making no notes. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think he was allowed to sing and sang in this weird voice that sounded like he had the worst flu you've ever had. Nice. And uh, Dave Grohl was doing drums that did not match up at all with the beat. Nice. What's yours? Uh, EMF, when they played, when the guitarist played with boxing gloves on. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quality. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. Oh fuck! Right. So, uh, so after obviously it was a forty-minute song. They cut it down to a far more reasonable seventeen, uh, seventeen minutes and thirty-four oh, seconds. Much more reasonable. Much more reasonable <laughs> for this album. Yeah. Fuck me. Um, where should we start playing some of this? Let, let's have a look. Uh, oh, okay. Because I've made a note, and this one for the first seven minutes, yeah. nothing happens. Yeah, I Literally mean, nothing happens. this is, you know, it's it's blippy and it's bubbly. The nuances for this track are in the depth of the soundscape and uh-huh. they're in the sounds and how you identify with those. And the th- yeah. You get to about six minutes and there is animalistic grunts. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, for me, I was there at that point going, this whole song smells like, oh, this was a great idea when we were stoned. Oh, of course. Well, that's the that's their entire um, career. It's um, uh, sound like oh, I was stoned and this was nice. Yeah, and we get to nine minutes and twenty four. Uh huh. Oh, and they right. give us a few seconds worth of a beat. Right. And then they fucking remove it again. <laughs> <laughs> Everything gets really wet again. Everything's like uh-huh. a fucking proper ASMR, fucking lisping Rick and Morty wet vet mouth. Oh God, horrible, Ew. right? Uh, and then in comes well, a baseline. What, what I would describe as a nice baseline. Oh, right. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to start playing a little bit of music so, that, so we get a flavour of that. So yes, you, we, we've got this kind of underneath, and the bass that you, you're talking about comes in, and it's Ja Wobble on yeah. bass on this one, uh, who I remember knowing about at the time because he had done some bass stuff for a Primal Scream remix. The, the Primal Scream remix I fucking raved about on uh, that 1991 best of. Um, and he'd also done a, a single I really liked for Jaw Wobbles and Invaders of the Heart called Visions of You. Yep. Really good tune. I had no idea about the Public Image Limited stuff that he did, but I knew the name. So I'm, I'm going, okay, Jaw Wobble, yeah, he's a big guy, he's a fucking big bassist. But, and so that comes in. Ten minutes into this song, yeah. like I say, okay, something's happened. It, it and it's it's one of those ones where the bass you really have to have either a very good sound system or very good headphones to hear it because it's not up front. It's uh, it's buried in this. Yes. But it's again, this is not meant to be played on a laptop. This is meant to be played on a fucking stupid dub sound system. But then we get to like about 11 minutes 40, mm-hmm. and that's when the dub style starts. There is some real dub coming in. Yeah, I said on the last one, they start to introduce a dub. This really brings it in a bit more. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then, you know, by the time we've got a kind of whiplashy beat that's in there, and whoosh, whoosh, uh-huh. it's kind of getting a little bit jaunty. Right. You know? um, and then we get to around 13 minutes. Uh-huh. And we just got this kind of big, ugly chord, and then we've got this discordance and these kind of weird tape effects on, and, and they're deliberately fucking with us. Mm. Well, totally. It, it's it's it meant to be disorientating. Yeah, we build into like this cacophony that we, yeah, we get sure. multiple times in this. They drop the beat in again, and then it's just a fucking combo of the bits that have come before until they eventually get to a point and it has one of these long fucking death nails that these long tracks on this record all, all have. They all do. They all have like two minutes of basically nothing before yeah. they finish the track. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, these are all deliberately obtuse decisions that they're yeah. making. Sure. Um, and, you know, at the moment in time, it worked for them. I'm not sure it stands up. If they were recording this again, would they deliberately have two minutes of ridiculousness at the end of every single long song as a fade out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, overall, this song does very little for me. It's another one where it's overly long for very little um, reward. Mm -hmm. Uh, But here we go. I bet you if I was on mind-altering drugs, this would be really nice. Yeah, but the thing is, right, the thing is, like, you're... You know, in your 40s now. So the thing is, responsibility means that being on mind or drugs isn't that nice anymore. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> I'm not prepared to try. I'm not going to go through some experiment just for the orb. No. Just no. for this podcast and the orb. If we ever do, if mm-hmm. we ever find out in some situation where we are on mind or drugs and we listen to the orb, we'll uh, report back. Oh, yeah, indeed. Okay. Uh, one thing I did read about this, and this is a strange one for some reason. I was talking about the... Uh, Top of the Pops performance that where it was a, a bit kind of oh yeah. fuck you here's what uh, we're gonna do don't don't uh, try and make us conform uh, that sort of shit. One person who apparently saw this and um, it made a big impact was Robbie Williams. Oh really? Yeah, he is on record as saying he watched the Orb do their thing, the playing chess on on Top of the Pops, and went, oh that's really cool, and that made a big impact on him. So you know, Rebel Robbie Williams. I don't think it's the best time that anything from chess was played on uh, Top of the Pops. What do you think it was? Elaine, uh, Elaine Page, Page and Barbara Dickinson. Dickinson. Yeah. Fucking right, yeah. mate. That's a fucking banger. And known so well. I mean, Brilliant song. if there weren't such things as uh, as licensing laws, right? If you listen to this on uh, Spotify, just pause. Go and listen to Elaine D- Dickinson. Do. Just, just Elaine Dickinson and, and uh, Barbara Page. Yeah. I'm joking. Hey, hey, fuck it. Hey, if anybody wants to give us 50 quid, Dave and I will record us doing a version of that. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll put that online. And and then you want your fifty quid back yeah. immediately because <laughs> we both love that song. Oh, we love it, and neither of us can sing at, at all. all. Not no, one bit. Not a fucking note. No. Anyway, right. So the next track we've talked about okay. the dub influence of this record. This album yes. goes straight fucking out there. I call this one Towers of Dub 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 Dub. Yeah. Okay. So this is uh, num- track number four, and it is fifteen minutes long. Uh, fifteen minutes long, and it starts with a sample of Victor Lewis Smith. After the the first kind of minute, which is the the Victor Lewis Smith thing, it kind of gets into it almost quickly for the orb. Yeah, so we've got the musicy boxy noises. We've got the hello, I'm Brad. Something. Yeah. And again, this is a nice kind of twinkly keyboard pattern with some bizarre noises underneath it. Uh, it, it it's another very big. There's a dog. And this 
it's called Towers of Dub. This is the most dubby one they've done. It's called yeah. Towers of Dub. As I say, Towers of Dub. Tars. Towers of Dub. Towers of Dub. Yes. Oh, I've got Tars and Tars of this dub. <laughs> We're just keeping that jar. Tar. Anyway, um, and then we get to a point in a few minutes' time where we get a mouth organ. A harmonica. Oh, a harmonica, yeah, sure. That's And is I don't know, is that a dub instrument? A harmonica? A harmonica? Because it's presented in this way as this fits in nicely into a dub uh, tune. And it works for, for what they're trying to do, but uh, I can't imagine, you know, Sonra going, has anyone, has anyone got a white organ? Exactly. Yeah. Has anyone got har- the harmonica? Is it, yeah, no one? Ah, uh, bollocks. Maybe that's what the uh, the uh, ever-present anting is. <laughs> the, the, the harmonica? Yeah. All right, maybe so. Maybe. Uh, this... no, to be honest with you, if anything was going to be anting, it would be a triangle. It would be a triangle. Yeah. Um, okay, well, before we pass judgment on a song like this, oh, there's your harmonica. What are your views on dub? I am not an enormous dub fan. Okay. I am not a complete hater of it. Okay. Um, I, I I appreciate a well done dub track, yeah. but for me they are few and far between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Okay, so yeah, I'm even less of a fan of them than that. I, I know that. Yeah, I think I think dub is pretty rubbish. I think it's very very dull. Um, I think. Here's me sounding like your granddad. I think it all sounds the same, and I think it all sounds very boring the same. Mm-hmm. So this does very little for me in terms of the dub side. I think I think there are some nice bits in this song, but in terms of it building to this kind of big throbbing dub fucking mm-hmm. tune, I don't get it. See, for me, mm-hmm. this is the song that hangs together the best of everything we've heard oh, right, so yeah. far. Yeah. For me, this is a considerable step up, and I enjoy this tune more than anything else we've heard on this record. Okay. Uh, I think it just hangs together nicely. I mean, you know, I think the uh, the beat in it's really, really nice. Right. Um, yeah, th- we just, we get to like kind of three and a half minutes in this track, basically, and all of a sudden you've got what I would describe as a tune. It is the most cohesive, all right. almost the most cohesive that it gets on the record. There are a couple of moments later, maybe. Yeah. That, um, but yeah, I, I like this. I, I don't love it. Sure. I'm not going to fucking war for this song. It takes nah. three minutes to fucking end. Oh, the, the, I've got a, the, the the last three minutes are stupid in this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the whole fucking Eric Cartman thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean, it's never you know when he's talking about girls and he's like, don't never trust anything that bleeds for a fucking week and doesn't die, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> no, this is 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 a very very niche song for this. You have to like both ambient and dub for this one. But I don't think this is even... This isn't Dread Zone. It's not... Oh, God, no. But it's not It's not ecstatic. No, it's not. You know, it's not... Do you know what I mean? It's not any oh. number of terrible sound systems you've heard. Mate, I'll tell you... Right, I, I was doing a little bit of uh, research into what the Orb are doing these days. You yeah. know, having a look. And they... When I say they, at this point, right... I'm talking about Alex Patterson, yeah. who is the only person who has been in the orb the entire time. Um, he started off, whenever they started off, it was him and Jimmy Cody from the KLF. It then became him and Chris Weston, I think it is. It, it's been him and various people, or just him. Yeah. Right. So when I say they, I'm talking about that. But the orb have just released their 17th album. Oh, good. Right. A couple of months back called Abolition of the Royal Familia. Mm-hmm. And it came out uh, in April, I believe. 
So they are still doing that. And they uh, the last thing I saw on the Orb's Twitter was that uh, they took part in this online kind of lockdown festival. Um, I'm assuming it's all just like live sets from your bedroom or some shit. Yeah. Uh, it was a start of May called the International Cosmic Lab Festival. Yes, of course it was. Of course and it was, it yeah. also featured sets by the likes of Dreadzone, Juno Reactor, and Eight Static. Mm-hmm. There you go. That is entirely what happened. And there was a lot of, apparently, poetry and yoga okay. among the uh, the music side of things as well. All right. So, look, I, I like this song more than the others. Okay. Cool. Um, but I, I don't love it. Now, uh, the other thing I will say about this song is that, uh, again, from looking at what they're doing these days, they have a separate website, The Orb. They've got the orb, yeah. and that's fine. That, you listen to their music, listen to their DJ sets, whatever. Uh, they have a second website. Just pause me a second. Is it for their activism? No. Okay, fair enough. Carry do, on. do you want a second guess <laughs> at what it's for, though? Uh, um, is it their is it their dog training techniques? <laughs> no. It's for them selling cannabis seeds. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Fair enough. It's called orbseeds.com. Oh, no. They have on their website, though, uh, they make it very clear that if this is not legal in your country, that these seeds that they're selling are for souvenir purposes only. Yeah. Just souvenirs. They've got these little seeds. Um, well, we've all had a souvenir seed in our time. <laughs> quite. Uh, the, the, they've got variants including little fluffy cloud seeds, uh-huh. of course, the Patterson strains, so Alex Patterson, um, Orblivion, which was another one of their uh, yeah, records, the, their yeah. records. But they also have, uh, just because we're talking about uh, Tars of Dub, they've got one called Tars of Bud. Nice. Of course they do. Of course they do. Of course they do. Of course so they they do. Go. Mate. I'd smoke it. If, if you, you want to get some tars of bud seeds, go to orbseeds.com. Um, uh, yeah, I, no. I'm not, I'm not growing it. I can't be bothered. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of effort. Let us now. Right. We are at tra- end of track four. Yes. On this fucking insanely long album. I know. Uh, oh let's God. take a little fucking pose and check out the singles. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the top 10 singles in the week of July the 12th to the 18th, which is where we're looking. Uh, number 10, we have already seen before, is Richard Marks' Hazard. Number 9, I'll play this one see if you get it. Uh, I know that you like this song, so see how quick you can get this. It's uh, Shaven. Yep. And it's um, uh, Moving the Mountain. No. No, Love, Sex, Intelligence. LSI, exactly. Love, Sex, Intelligence. Yeah, that's number nine this week. Uh, Number eight, I mean, I'm not going to play it because you'll get it. We've talked about this many times before. U2's even better than the real thing. Brilliant. That's a great song. Uh, Number seven in the charts. I don't remember this at all from the time. I remember it coming out because there was a little bit of controversy, but I don't remember the song, but you'll get this easily, I'm quite sure. Oh, it's Princess Motherfucker. Sexy Motherfucker. Yeah. Shaking that ass, shaking that ass. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I, I do remember the, the kind of the whole thing about, oh, he's really, it's Sexy MF for the charts. Yeah, this was, this was, I mean, he played that, I think, the first time I heard that song, he played it at, uh, when I saw him live. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I was caught on the Diamonds and Pearl song uh, tour, sorry. And oh, then okay. this album came out, I kind of didn't love, because it was this and it was um, uh, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, wasn't it? Yeah, was that was at the same time, yeah. And I didn't love either of those songs. And it kind of sent me, and I was, I, I was digging a lot of other stuff, and that kind of sent me in a slightly different direction to Prince right. at the time. 
and you know, and uh, it's probably more me than but him. But that's having been a fan before is the yeah. thing, because I had not been a fan before in general, not, not deliberately not, but just not had been. And I remember hearing this and the most beautiful girl in the world, and thinking this is not for me then. Yeah. And therefore, that put me off Prince. I remember loving Get Off, as we've discussed. Yeah. But this period, I, I think, I think, I think, Sexy Motherfucker in retrospect is a way better song than I thought it was at the time. Okay. I've, I've grown to love it. Oh, fair enough. Uh, right, number six in the charts. Um, this is the first of a couple of this sort of songs we're going to see in the charts. Uh, see, see if you remember this. Time for Trumpeton. Oh, for fuck's sake, yeah, this is a Trip to Trumpton by... Oh, well, now you're talking, though, because okay. you're right, it is a Trip to Trumpton. A trip to Trumpton by... No, not the Smarties, because that was uh, Sesame Street. Uh-huh. Oh, fuck, who was this? I'll be impressed if you remember who it is. I, would, I don't think I'd have got it. I know, I, 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 it's in my brain. I know I, okay. I know what it is, it's just whether uh-huh. I can access it or not. Um, trip to Trumpton... No, I'm not even getting close. What is it? No, Urban Hype. Urban Hype. Yes, yeah. there you go. Yes. I wouldn't have got that at all. Wouldn't have got it. Uh, number five. Uh, I'm not even put this into a playlist. Mariah Carey's I'll Be There. Don't even remember it. Uh, number four. You'll get this. If you change your mind, this is a, yeah, this is a ABBA Take a Chance on Me. Yeah, but, but it's uh, by Erasure. Erasure, exactly. It's the Erasure ABBA SEP. Yeah, and that was a big thing for a while. Oh, massive. Yeah. That's number four. Number three, and you'll get this. This is this was everywhere at the time. Yeah, this is um I call me Mr. Radio, call me Mr. Wrong. No. No, hang on. I... Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, it's fucks anyway. Snap. Yeah, exactly. Rhythm as a dancer. Fucking huge. I'm, I'm, I'm serious like cancer. What I'll tell you, rhythm, rhythm is a dancer. dancer. Um, oh, oh, well, here we go. That was number three. This is number two. Guess what? We've already yeah, this mentioned is, it. This is Thunderbirds, I've got No, it's... Oh, is it Sesame Street? Yeah, it's Sesame oh, okay. Street, indeed. Quite a smart ease. Smart ease, yeah. fuck me. So, yeah, we've got a top ten with both smart ease Sesame Street and Urban Heights trip to Trumpton in it. This was the height of the shit. Yeah, yeah. Chart and we also had... by Shaft. Yeah. Yes, exactly. All that nonsense. And Charlie says by the Prodigy. Let's not forget. No, well, that's why it started. That is exactly why it started because that that used this kind of children's TV sample and everyone went, oh, this is easy. Yep. Yep. Uh, number one, and here's a dreadful song for you. Ooh. Been in 1992 yeah. bass for you going on? Yeah, this is um. Ah, oh, hang on. Oh, I know what this is. This is shockingly bad. Yeah, it's so bad. And um, from someone that you go, why are you? Pause a second. Pop, pop career. Yeah, it's a Jimmy Nail. Yes. Uh, um, she's lying. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Love that liver anymore? No, 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 no. It's um. Oh, you're so close. Um, hang on. <laughs> 
Ain't no doubt it's plain C. Ain't no doubt. There you go. Well, my lad, you're no good for me. Fucking shocking Jimmy nonsense. Jimmy Why was he a pop star? And the crocodile shoes. Awful. <laughs> awful, awful song from one of the ugliest men in the world. That's a, it's like a face only a football manager could love. <laughs> Why was he a star? I don't, I don't know. know. Okay, fair enough. Okay, you can play a bricky Geordie on telly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay. Fine, that's, that's in, no problem. That's in your nail house. <laughs> but why did someone at some point go, tell you what, Jim, why don't you go for a song career? It's not like he's got a good voice. It's not. He does not have a good voice. I bet you he didn't write any of these songs. He's got talent. I don't understand. I don't yeah. get it. Absolutely bullshit, Jimmy. And I do remember that at the time. I'm thinking, this is fucking dreadful. I mean, I mean like, Jimmy, like, that was that was the height of... The thing is, all this fucking cool music coming out, it did make it much more obvious who the enemy was. True, yes, and yeah, there you go. That's your number one single, and he, I do remember. I remember enjoying things like Sesame Street and Urban Hype because they were very silly. Yeah, and I thought, oh, that's fun. But I knew they were shit. I knew they were still bad. Jimmy Nail wasn't even fun. You know, but, that's the, sort of but this is the interesting thing, though, isn't it? Right, this is this is the nineties. Right, this is mm-hmm. thirty years from the pop music chart being, you know, the kind of the, the hit. The, the thing it was, yeah. Right. And so we've got to a point where it's kind of been almost co-opted by mums. Because t- teenagers aren't buying Jimmy Nail's songs, right? No, but but they are buying Sesame Street. So it's it's there's there's a, a battle going sure, on. Sure, but what's interesting now is because everything's on streams and things like that, you know, you're not really seeing that stuff in the charts, are you? Yeah, of course not. I mean, you see, I mean, okay, fair enough. You do see a lot of anomalies, like when Tool all of a sudden release their back catalogue. Of course, sure. The, you know, fucking four out of the top ten streamed songs are Tool songs or whatever. Yeah, but the, you know, but, the charts are in t- a different beast these days. Oh, they're in irrelevance uh, now, no, almost, no, aren't totally they? Uh, well, okay, well, let's have a look at the other singles that come up, because there's a lot of good stuff here, all right? Uh, and this one... Like I say, because of the Lionel Richie six weeks, we're looking at the period of June the 14th to July the 18th. So we're, there's there's kind of four weeks I'm, I'm taking into account here. Like, okay, we did mention this earlier. Uh, the, the kind of the, the big single off this album. And we mentioned this, I think, in the... Was it in the Pavarotti episode or...? No, it, it was in it was in uh, the Michael Jackson episode yeah. where he had a big yeah. orchestra. Yes. But yes, so this is so Megadeth Symphony of Destruction, and this got to number fifteen in the charts in the UK charts. Man, that was a fucking big song. You got to remember how big those first two. You know, in in the era of thrash metal, you know, you've got a big four bands, right? And Megadeth are one of them. Oh, obviously, and like I said, we we saw this album was at number five in the top ten, but it is. I think it's interesting that they are almost cast aside at this point in these days. When you think of 2020, you go, oh, but if someone had said to me, right, did Megadeth ever have a top 20 hit in the UK? Mm-hmm. I'd have gone, probably not, but they did. No, they did. But but you got to remember that thrash metal was such a fucking big breakthrough thing. You know, it was the yeah. first form of, I guess you could call extreme metal. It wasn't sure. really extreme metal yet, but it's but the f- it was on, the, on the path. You know, um, and, you know, you end up with, the, you know, Metallica end up being uh, essentially the biggest band in the world or one mm-hmm. of the biggest bands in the world. Sure. Um, you know, you end up with that and Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax. I mean, they're all a long way fucking down the list, but they were still selling a lot of fucking records. Apparently so. Number 15 in the charts, mate. Number you 15. Know, I mean, I would totally, I, I, I totally dispute uh, 
the, the the big four as they stand in terms of quality i would oh, yeah. I, I think that testament are a much better band mm-hmm. than either anthrax or megadeth but, but i guess they're talking big four in terms of sales maybe yeah maybe and an impact but yeah know, it is what it is all right uh, another one that in this period got to number 15 and this is fucking brilliant Tori Amos, Crucify, yeah, uh, off the uh, Little Earthquakes album, which came out in the January of this year. No, we talked about it a little bit. We did, we did, we exactly. We we gave it a, uh, the kind of a nod because we both are big fans of this album. This is a brilliant song, and this it's heartbreaking, man. Oh Jesus Christ, this is a hard album to listen to, in 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 a lot of different different ways. But yeah, Crucify is a fantastic song. That uh, got the number fifteen. This one got to number four. And again, this is, is in the, the proper chart rave, populist rave stuff. I, I know what this is, I know. Yeah, it's a big tune. One of the one of the, uh, the bands that just sampled big tunes from the eighties. Well, I wanted to say all night, but it isn't all night. No, no, it's another uh, one. If, if you're on that tra- tack, I'd say it's the other one, it, because the ones who had big, yeah, big chart uh, hits. Yeah, it's um, Utah Saints. Utah Saints. You, you, Utah Saints. Exactly, something good. Yeah. yeah, and that was the number four. That was a big, big tune. Um, one that only got to number 55, but to be honest, I'm pleased that it even got that high. The Beastie Boys released Frozen Metalhead EP. Uh, so, yeah, fucking Jimmy James got which, to number Which 55. I used to have on vinyl. I think you have my copy of that on vinyl now. I think, I? I, I think I gave it to you, yeah. Oh, well, I know that I have it on vinyl. Yeah. Well, so, there yeah. you go. Good. And you are more than welcome to own well, it. Well, I fucking love it. I'm very happy with that. Um, number 28 in the charts, this one got to. I don't know if you'll know this one or not. I loved this tune. Um, the band, the shit, shit band I was in, did a cover version of this. Uh, I was on drums in this band. And this was one of their ones that would get played in the indie clubs, even though it's not really a dance or track, but it was the closest to a single of this kind of era that you get. I don't know from the verse at all. No. Maybe uh, I know oh, it's just about, here's the chorus. But it, yeah, if it's not I really, don't know. No, what is that? Uh, it's Sonic Youth. Oh, okay. And this is, this is 100%. Oh, fuck, I know. Fuck, I know this. I should know. Uh, so, yeah, all right. Right. Yeah, I should know that song way better than I do. You, you will have heard it many, many times. You will have heard it on MTV. You'll have heard well, it in a, indie clubs and mate, all I was, that shit. I was a skater. Oh, you, oh, fucking course. This was one of the first Spike Jones directed videos, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? I was a skater, and so that was the video that we all fucking freaked out on because. Right. But I remember. It was, it was I, I guarantee you, if you'd have fucking shown me the video, I'd have told you what it was. But the song. Straight up. Not so much. There you go. Okay, well, I got the number twenty-eight, and I yeah, I did. I remember loving, loving that. Um, uh, 
One, I'm not going to bother playing because we've talked to them too much in this podcast. Manic Street Breachers, Motorcycle Empty, got to number 17. Eh. It's, it, whatever. It's, it's, that is a good tune. That is a good tune. But, again, we, we just don't care. I don't I don't like James Bradford's voice. I, I don't mind that, but I just don't give a shit. Um, one that only got to number 35, and you'll get this straight away. Oh, yeah, Noi by Nature. Uh, yeah. Army with Harmony. OPP. Uh. Yeah. No, uh, OPP, how can I explain and this? I, I think, I think this was um, when they re-released This isn't like the 92 release. I think they maybe yeah. did a 91 one. But this is when it actually made the charts. Uh, and, uh, you know, similarly... A year later from release, this one got to number 41. Uh, Soundgarden, uh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, fucking uh, Rusty Cage. Rusty Cage, man, fucking stunning. So, yeah, just outside top 40, 41 for that one. That's a, that's a fucking travesty. D- yeah. That's a tra- what a travesty is it that Jimmy Nail is number one <laughs> and Rusty Cage doesn't chart? Doesn't chart. Terrible shit. Terrible shit. Uh, And the last one I've made a note of here, and this one got to number 46, and I kind of very much suspect that you won't know this one, but this I really like. It's an Irish band, but this did make some kind of ripples in the in 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 the rest of the UK. I don't I know this song. Toulouse-Lautrec, 1864 to 1901. I've heard this. Andy Warhol, yeah. 1928 to 1987, R.I.P. Ernest Hemingway, 1899 to 1960. Oh, I can't remember what the fuck it is. Uh, I've heard it, though. I think this is a great, great song, and it is just a list of, uh, you know, big, famous, important artists. It's called Endless Art by A House. Yeah, I would have never fucking got there, but I remember it. No, it was, and it was the thing at the time, I really enjoyed it, and it was one of these ones that was very, very talked about in the press. Blah, blah, blah. All the those hot, sorts the of... The hot press. Yeah. Okay, but there you go. There's your, your singles. There's a lot of singles out this week. Not this week. Uh, this time period. There's a lot of singles that uh, are are worth talking about, I feel, in that Look, one. Look, man, we have... We've been here for some time. Indeed. <clears throat> let us crack into the Fuck back let's end get into of the, this. Yeah, okay. Last couple. So let's get into the last three tracks. Okay, yes. So we'll go back into the orb. Though we're at the kind of the last portion. Like we said, there are seven tracks on this, yeah, but the, the, the last track is not 50, really a track. It's Fifty minutes, fifty seconds long. Oh, exactly. So we're into the the last third. Track number five is called "Close Encounters." Okay, and immediately we're straight back into ambient world with this. Uh, we we are at the at the, the the kind of the start of it. We are, and hence uh, immediately we're into. Sure, but yeah, it, it doesn't end up that way. No, no, I'd say no. But well, yes, you're absolutely it. right. It, it's it's we, we're in a bright blippy. There's a nice little melody that comes through it, starting off. We've got all yep. these these fucking phones and found sounds and all this bullshit, right? Yeah. But then, by the time we get to like one minute forty-five, okay. Well, ish. tell you what, let, let me uh, just get to one minute forty-five then. Uh huh. We've got oh, beat. We're in. We are in. We're little fishing. We're yeah, man. Big fishing. We're cardboard boxing. Sure. Well, it did, this is the kind of the most typical dance song that we've had so far. It's, it's quite it's quite proto trance, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's very trancey. There is here we here it is look. Something that I would describe as a tribal xylophone. <laughs> God, oh, that's a horrible phrase. <laughs> and, and here we are. And yet, here we are. Oh, Jesus. 
And then we get this kind of pounded beat that starts to come through mm -hmm. in a little minute. Mm -hmm. uh, then, sure. You can, you can hear it on the fucking beat here. It's not here yet, but... No, it's coming, though. Yeah. Well, this is... Uh, because the, the the people who wrote this is, is the two of them from the Orb, but it's also two producers who were in Slam, okay, who were a much harder kind of more techno dance group of the time. Yeah, they were a Glasgow-based uh, dance act, and they ran their own nights. They were much fucking harder dance stuff, and you can, you can feel that influence yeah. definitely in this. It's a much more, uh, you know, much more techno style than the ambient. It's more dance floor friendly. There's a four to the floor beat, bam, mm -hmm. bam, bam. Uh, it's got the more acidy kind of tweaking sounds yep. going on. And then at some point, this four-four kind of beat gives way to a break. It's a it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, indeed. I, I think this to me is the most interesting song so far. I, I think, think this is the closest to a banger this album gets. For, oh, definitely that. Definitely, definitely that. This is the only one you could possibly play in a club yeah. for a dance floor, but I also think this is the most fun that I've had with any of the songs so oh, far. Oh, I think so. And, you know, we kind of... And it's interesting that you mentioned there's a kind of a... There's almost like a two sides to this, because... We start getting into a point after the break kicks in, we get these fucking like ominous chords, and it's mm. almost you kind of get this sense that the the darker side of this music, the kind of the, these deep kind of dark ominous bits, yep. are fighting with this kind of much brighter kind of okay. futuristic kind of synthy ravey, right, yeah, yeah. and it kind of creates a conflict in the song okay that kind of feeds into a bit of a proggy narrative maybe makes it feel like they're trying to say something a bit more than they were sure works for me on a level that the rest of it maybe doesn't I think that too I think this is a step up in a lot of ways because what we've had so far has been very minimal background uh, soft mm -hmm. gentle to a lot of things all that sort of stuff and this is the first one that's made me go oh hold on but let's before we get too carried away, let's right. not. There are there are two words that kind of will put a break on uh -oh. any maximum enjoyment, uh -oh. which is chanting Aboriginals. Oh, there is that. There, there is, is that. And, and yes. that, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously, we are in the era of didgeridoo from uh, Apex, Apex to here. Sure. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, uh, people are making that bad decisions. Makes, and Enigma are probably about to release their second album, which is all about, uh, I think. The Aboriginal signs. I've never like heard that. of it anymore. I've forgotten. Never, never happened. Yeah. But yes, no, that is you're you're right. That is all over the place. This is my favourite song on the album. Same here. Yeah. Same by, here. By with, a chance. With, by yeah, a chance. It's it's because it's got a bit of life to it. It's got a something at its heart that I'm like, oh, this is actually fucking nice. Yeah. This is cool. And it's it, it's ten minutes long, which is too long. But far too long because the la again the last long. two minutes are nothing. Literally yeah. nothing. But in in context, mm -hmm. yeah. do you know what I mean? I know it's not seventeen minutes long. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. when you're in the star, like a sausage roll is a fucking gourmet <laughs> meal. You know that's that's where we're so, at. Fuck you, sausage roll. I have sausage rolls probably once a week, and I love that shit. Oh, look, I like a sausage roll, man. <laughs> I, I earlier this week, I, I looked through my freezer. I found I had a bag of forty uh, bite-sized sausage rolls Amazing. from Asda. I cooked all of them, and I ate all of them in a week. Amazing. So, yeah. So I'm not fucking no, with sure. sausage rolls. But I know what you mean. Yeah. But, I, but it's not steak. Exactly, it's not steak. Yeah. Like, but you can go fuck yourself because you eat your steak fucking well done. <laughs> well, you don't want any red in there, Mum. You're a fucking idiot. Shut your face. But you know, I I agree. This is this is my favourite song so far. Um, this is the one that I would go. Oh, finally, we've actually hit something that is a tune. 
and isn't yeah. just a collection of signs. Yeah, so there you go. I yeah. enjoyed this. I enjoyed this one. Yeah. Right, so let's have a look at uh, track six, which is Majestic. Majestic, which, which okay, let's call this the last one, really, because yeah. you know, the, uh, you know, track number seven is... It's basically Nothing the else. outro to this song. Precisely. Uh, so this is... Uh, the, Majestic is the only song that has a writing credit for youth, uh, who, you know, from Killing Joke... Youth used to be part of the Orb back yeah. in like 86, 87. He was mm-hmm. one of the founding members of the Orb with Alex Patterson. Yeah. But he hadn't been with him for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but this must have been one of the old, old songs they had in the back cat and finally put out. Do you think that when he's getting to the end of his life, he'll go and like, you know, go, be and, senior. go, go, and, go and live in Thailand, something like that? Why would, uh, why would you? Well, you know, just euthanasia. Oh, my Lord. I'm so glad I've had a lot of beers. <laughs> I couldn't handle this shit over. <laughs> oh, you bell end. Right. Um, that's a good joke. That's, mm, suck my dick. <laughs> okay, so this, my dick. this is 11 minutes long. <laughs> have you got any notes on this one? Should you skip to? I don't think uh, I have. Look, right, all I've got here is we've, yeah. got, we've got the wake up samples right near the start. We've got yeah. some very bright synths. We've got some nice female vocals. Yeah. Uh, my favourite thing, I, I mentioned this in the podcast before, I also posted it on our site when it came live, but the whole thing of uh, Rob Deering's uh, A Woman Saying Something. Oh, right, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I, that was so well observed. Yeah. So good, man. Yeah. So good. Uh, look, we've got kind of, we've got some really nice techno synth bass in this. Sure, okay, so yeah, there's, a, there's more going on in this one than a lot of other songs. Yeah, and this track, it shuffles, it layers, mm-hmm. it builds in quite a nice way. It's a mm-hmm. little bit more uniform than some of the rest of it. Yeah. This has, this this does boast my favourite bit on the album. Oh, go on. About 7 minutes 44. Right. There's just a, I mean, I can't even really fucking describe it. There's just a really nice bit of melody in. Oh, well, let me, uh, let me get to that then. Hold on. All right, so, yeah, this is coming in. Again, a lot long time into it. Seven forty here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This little uh, element. Nice. Why is something else? But I've not been at a place where it is. What is? I know what you mean. This definitely is reminiscent of something else. That no, that that works nicely. I think this, you know, is a nice, very very nineties dance tune. Yep. Um, it's not one of the ambient epics where there's no drum beat and just nothing else going on, but it doesn't excite me at all. I think this is is better than most, but it's not amazing. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I don't think it's I don't think it's a patch on this track before this. Yeah, it's got some moments in it. Yeah, but again, you know, it's got some bits and pieces in it. But then it, what it has also got is another one of these fatal two minute death nails. Two minutes, two full minutes, two of full nothing. minutes of nothing. And then when you go, okay, well at least they've ended that track. Then you get onto the next track, which is which we're not even going to fucking. No, play I'm not going to bother. Right? Uh, track number seven, seven, which is called Sticky End. Yeah, which is basically I've written here. 50 seconds of broadly unpleasant noises. I've just written 50 seconds of noises. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went for broadly unpleasant. No, and you're I think that right. is but it's more not, relevant. I've just said it's more of a brain fart than a tune. There's nothing to this. It's, it's just it's, whatever. It's just, you know, I mean, I don't think you needed to call this something else. This needed to be, all you needed was fucking two minutes 50 of the ending of this track. Uh, fucking ridiculous yeah. that this is on so, here. Okay. So. Right. There you are. That's the album. 
I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I never need to hear this album again. No, I'm all right. I didn't, I, didn't really, right. I didn't care for it much. But I'll tell you what, here's the interesting thing, right? When I listened to it to write about it yeah. and to talk about it yeah. uh, and had to really fucking put it in the forefront of my mind, yeah. I enjoyed it far less than when it was in the background doing something, right? Absolutely. So, so in the background, if I'm going to do something and need to put some music on, I wouldn't hesitate to put this on and just fucking... And there it is. And there it is, right? Right. I mean, there were other things I would choose ahead of it, if I'm honest. Fine. Um, but it's fine for that. But when I fucking dug into it, I didn't find much that I liked. Okay. No, I, I totally get that, because I think a lot of it is pretty flimsy and pretty uh, kind of nothingness. Yeah. But would you go so far as to say that you disliked it? I disliked moments of it. There, right, no, that's fine. I, I dislike the first song. Yes, you did, yes. Yeah, I dislike the first track. It is put together with uh, an art that I recognise. Sure. I recognise that this has been put together in a loving, caring way, and I don't feel in any way the same way about it that I did about that Enigma record, which okay. I hated. But that had more... I, and I do not hate this no, record. This, that had actively bad songs on yeah. it. This, I think, at the very worst that you can say, has... A load of nothingness. You go. Well, what's the point? Yeah. What, what I feel like this is. I, I feel like it's a. It's a set of discerning ears with an understanding of how the noises should be, an understanding of the technology and, yeah. and how that should be, but with an incredibly deliberately obtuse mindset. For sure. I 100% stand behind this record because I think they did exactly what they wanted to do in a way that people do not get the opportunity to a lot of times these days. Entirely right? true. This is precisely what they wanted. However, I think they have been uh, mired by their own obtuseness yeah. into creating something that could have been more special uh, and spoke to more people long term. However... I suspect there are an army of people who this record has spoken to deeply who yeah. would massively disagree with that. And I suspect if I were the artist creating this, I would be far more happy with having a small cohort of people yeah. that dug it completely. Uh, uh, exactly. And so therefore, exactly. I caveat this with saying, I don't love this, but I'm not sure it was for me. Clearly wasn't. And I applaud the fact that this is a number one album for all of its fucking, fucking weird Imagine, feet. Imagine being Alex Patterson mm -hmm. in the Orb, having had relative success with his previous singles, waking up on whatever this, the 12th of July, yeah. and going, shit, number I just one. had a number one album from uh, for an album that I did. I made for my friends who go to Glastonbury and don't see any bands, go to the Healing Fields, take a ton of drugs... And see nothing except bright lights for four days. That's the album I made, yeah. and this is number one. Exactly, incredible. So look, that's yeah. the end of that record. Yeah, I think I've, it was a hard one to talk about, but I'm glad we didn't fudge it. Realistically, we are never going to be the, the people that this is aimed at and who are really into this, and therefore can have a definitive opinion. Because I'm coming at this from the point of view of someone who's like, this is okay. Yeah. This has never been my sort of music. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I got uh, messages. There's, we got one of our regular listeners, Dave Poulton. Yeah. He loves the orb. Yeah. He fucking loves them. And I bet you he has entirely different opinions on every single one of these songs because it means something different to him. Of course. But, well, and I get it. That's not me. But anyway, look. So anyway, that is, that is our take on the orb. What, okay. we, what we got next time? Well, the next album, I think, is in excess. 
It is in excess. In excess. Yeah. And right, so we got in excess. Welcome to wherever you are. Yeah. And I've never heard this album. Neither have I. But this I, is the, I'm this actually is, looking forward to this. This is the third album. No, no, no. Well, it's a, no. Well, okay. <clears throat> no. Third, third after breakthrough. Yeah, like, this yeah. is the, yeah. They have like three in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, but it's basically kick X and then this one. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, sure. Um, Hold on. We've got to put a song on the playlist. Oh, fuck, we have. Okay, well, well, it's, okay five. I think we agree. Track five. Track, yeah, it is, it, that's the one we both enjoy. Close Encounters. I wish there were a version that didn't have the last two minutes on. So Mate. that we could... It, it, because this, if you put this in a playlist, it fucks up the playlist. Yeah. But our rules are we have to put a song on yeah. from every number one album that we properly review. But if you're listening to our playlist, you get to the last two minutes, skip onto the skip next track. Skip it, man, skip that's it. That's how we go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Krista, um, yes. we, we've made no physical contact in, in rules with this, but let's let's high five. We high five in. There we go. There we go. Um, Jenny, uh, Jenny, I need some uh, hand sanitizer. This fucking... <laughs> this... Oh, and get the Irish strength as well, yeah, yeah, if you this, mind. This yeah. bog brain Murphy has touched me. <laughs> right, fuck you, motherfuckers. Uh, we've had pleasure. a lovely time. Take care from the garden. We will see you next time. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. Pop, collaborate and listen is produced in the loosest of terms and edited, if you can call it that, by us two amateurs, which is why it sounds like it does. If you do want to get in contact with us, and we would love you to, you can get us on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at pclpodcast, Instagram at pclpodcast, facebook.com slash pclpodcast, and you can find all of this info as well as links to our Spotify playlists and that sort of thing our website which is pclpodcast.com